On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, it is time for Monday's Experts, and on this particular Monday, we're going to find out another story, as the intro says, of a character of racing. And I had the pleasure of seeing this particular guest uh, that I've got on the show today at the races at the Sapphire Coast over the last couple of days at the Calcutta on Saturday night down here uh, for the, the Bega Cup. And I tell you what, very, very close she went in the Bega Cup uh, with her, her particular horse. Um, but we regularly hear Teresa Bate up on our radio and we see her on our television screens but what's the story behind Teresa and how has she become the successful trainer that she has at Kembla Grange well let's find out welcome to Monday's Experts Teresa thank you very much hope you're feeling well this morning yeah no I'm feeling I'm feeling very well and fresh uh I tell you what uh, it's a big campaign this Sapphire Coast campaign it is it is it's a big weekend a thoroughly enjoyable weekend uh I think uh, a rest is required. I'm tipping I won't be doing the driving this afternoon. Um, let's start with your your career and history. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you grow up around Kudamudra? I certainly did. And how did you get into racing? Um, I was probably one of those kids that was always horse mad. Work in the office also did track work and that. I got to go out and uh, be 
some of the trainers at the time are uh, constant games at that in time. Okay. Yeah, it was just a fantastic week. On that day, I got to go to the races and made a temporary picture everywhere on the race pool. Uh, one of the highlights probably meeting John Tapp. I got to go up to race and got to go over to the barriers and watch start the race from the barriers. And on the Tuesday, I got to go to the barrier trials and uh, that was the year June when Solomon Cup and Payne Harris was there riding in the barrier trials. So, yeah, it was sort of like being a starstruck little kid, all these, your idols and that, and these people that you follow, you were seeing them in the So, yeah, that was quite terrific, really. Yeah, that's fair. That's wow. So let's go back to the tab there at Kudamundra. So mum was working at the tab uh, and you were going into the tab after netball or vice versa. And, and you know, you were you were obviously, uh, you know, captured by the sport and what was going on and, and the game of racing. Was there any racing in the family? Like, was there a reason mum got the job at the, at the tab? Had, had her family been in racing or was it just that's the job that she had and that's what you were exposed to and, and you obviously loved it like a lot of us do when we see what our parents or grandparents do. Yeah, look, there's no, no real racing history in the family. Uh, apparently one of my great-grandfathers was quite a good horseman. Um, but yeah, it's the family. There's no, no direct connection with horses or horse racing. Uh, um, my dad obviously liked to have a bet and followed the yeah. and that. That's probably how I sort of uh, got the got the interest in it, um, but it was just such a and being on being fascinated by horses as well. It was just something that um, yeah, all the speed up behind it, and um, yeah, it was just something that captured your attention. Now you you like most uh, young people, you're going through life. You've done the work experience. Then you said before at uh, the AJC, you're also uh, you know you, you're doing the form and you're having some fun at home. You mentioned the netball. If you weren't in racing, were you, were you good at sports? Were you a good athlete growing up? Yeah, I was probably one of those sporty kids that I probably wasn't exceptional at anything, but uh, we grew up on the farm uh, most of my childhood. So me and my two brothers were all ways outside um, and you were sort of yeah, coming up with your own, own sports and games and quite active. So, um, yeah, played a little bit of tennis and... Yeah, netball was probably the main one, a little bit of basketball. Um, so, yeah, like I was, I was probably handy at them, but not, not excellent at them. All right. So because where I was going with that, was every egg in one basket of getting into racing or is there something about Teresa Bennett we don't know? Are you, could you have been the pilot, the doctor? What Because what, uh, there's always uh, different paths we could have taken. We obviously, I think we've all taken the right path in the end, but... We've all got that opportunity. Was it always racing, or was there something else that uh, yourself and the, or the family wanted you to do? Look, I, I was all, I was very good at school. Um, not quite dedicated at school, and, and yeah, very very good at school. Um, so probably, I suppose, mum and dad always had high hopes that I'd um, go into something using my brain as such. Um, I'd, like, from a young age, I was just captured by racing, and, and if anyone asked me what I wanted to do, I always said I wanted to be a jockey. Um, number one, I'm actually probably the shortest one in my family, and I'm about 5'10". Um, so there probably probably wasn't how much chance of me ever being a jockey, and um, probably then lack of ability would have come against me as well. Uh, 
fun, but that was always sort of the pipe dream. And so in my head, I always had that I was going to do something in racing. Um, and when I, I actually moved up to Wolverhampton to go to uni uh, in year 12, and I went quite well at uni for the first year. Uh, I actually made there at least. Um, but within that first year, I started writing a bit of track work, going to the races and strapping. And, um, probably ended up spending more time working in racing um, and a few jobs at race clubs, waitressing and that well while going through uni. So uni sort of got on the back burner a bit. Um, still, still finished my degree. Um, quite a time up towards the end of it is what I was getting to it. Um, but yeah, like it was always, yeah, racing was always just to be in something like this. And what? To the training. Yeah, and well, what about uh, the the initial reaction to you going down the, the horse path 100%? Was the family going, oh, hang on, hang on, what, what what's all this about? Or was it, no, 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 you know, go and go and do what you want to do? Yeah, they were always quite supportive. I suppose in the back of their minds, I was probably hoping that I'd do something um, a little bit different. I did actually, um, after I completed my uni degree, um, probably a couple of months before I actually took out my trainer's licence, I actually did uh, get a job with what they call Services Australia now. Um, basically, go to Centrelink. They've had a few name changes. I've been, I've been working with them. So I did work full time there for a number of years up until I had my first child, Cooper, who's now 13. Um, but I, I was always doing the horses as well. And um, yeah, sort of. Ended up buying a tried horse out at Dubbo Horse Sales that probably wasn't much good. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've applied for my trainer's license and got that. So I was doing, I was only playing around with a couple of horses to start with, um, the cheap ones that I owned, and um, essentially working full time with Centrelink as well. That's extraordinary. And then obviously um, the, the kids come along and you then become a mum as well. So how did you juggle it all? Um, yeah, I, I think the, the busier I am, the more organised I am. Uh, so I actually only had nine months on maternity leave with uh, Cooper before I went back to work. Um, I went back to Centrelink part-time, um, sort of you know, three days a week to start with and sort of built that up sort of four, four days a week and doing the horses on the side. Um, and yeah, so for a couple of years there, I was sort of more just, just playing around with a couple of my own horses. Um, and then things sort of slowly started to build up. We sort of started to get a few outside horses and um, going to sales and buying a few more horses involved. With. But, yeah, just kind of things started to gradually build up. And I suppose it's been the last, the last six or so years it's exciting. We're chatting with Teresa Vainup uh, on Monday's Experts on Sky Sports Radio. Uh, Teresa, so we're, we're chatting about uh, your career thus far. And my next sort of question was, well, what, at what moment was it that you really decided, OK, there'll be no more, um, no more extra work away from racing with the Centrelink uh, job you had and obviously talking about you know you had that job with your degree which is a Bachelor of Commerce uh, degree from the Wollongong University you've got the kids 
you've always got your partner, Michael. But at what stage do you go, right, it's just going to be racing full-time here? And, and you mentioned that, that team building. Was there a pivotal moment in your training career that, that allowed you to increase that team, that people then went, right, we're going to send you some horses, etc.? Yeah, I suppose it all started, um, probably the horse that kicked it off really was a horse called Freedom Fall, uh, a little mare by Statue of Liberty uh, that a friend of mine had bought from Tide Horse Sale. Uh, she couldn't afford to race it, so I leased it off her. Um, and she was, she was just a tough mare and she ended up winning three in a row with Forrest. Um, and that sort of, that just, and we just had a, then had a small teaming work at the, at the time, but we had him work with winning races and yeah, she won three in a row and there was a couple of others that sort of backed it up and were winning races. I think things started to grow from there. Uh, just before I had my second child, Zach, uh, who's now five, started uh, still working at Centrelink and uh, probably just got to the stage where I needed a break from there so I, so I utilised some of my long service leave and um, concentrated on the training uh, enough I suppose he's um, definitely getting better results. Um, then I had Zach. I did go back to Centrelink for a while. I, I actually technically only signed. Um, so he's just gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, over the over the last couple of years, I've spent a couple of hours there. And um, yeah, definitely sort of get to different stages in life. And whilst I'd always enjoyed the work. Um, there and and it was a nice break away from racing and thinking about other things. Um, but yeah, definitely to the point where passion and inspired racing and uh, and we've been able to build this to a stage now where sustainable. Um, and I might say, like I've been a fantastic bunch That's extraordinary. Yeah. I yeah, love it. A very grateful process. Now, what about that team behind you? Um, I know, obviously, Michael um, has been an integral part of the team, obviously, with the track work. But you've got to, you had a lot of loyal owners there yesterday too at the Sapphire Coast. I mean, that's one thing about uh, these sort of these stables, your size and the areas they are. You, you need these loyal owners, and and they're wonderful people. They really are, and I think that's what makes it so enjoyable and so satisfying from my part of view, uh, point of view. Like, you love winning races. We're all competitive and we're out there to win. Um, so you love winning, but the enjoyment and satisfaction you get out of seeing the um, people like the owners that we had down at Sapphire Coast on the weekend, just having such a great time um, and really getting involved in the spirit of it all. And win, lose or draw, they had they had just have a good time, uh, and they just make this such an enjoyable weekend uh, for everyone involved. And yeah, I think that's what really gives you satisfaction out of it. Um, and yeah, like I, I don't have a big owner behind me that backs me. I, I literally have uh, a lot of little owners um, that are in it to have a bit of fun, hopefully see home with some winners, and it's just sort of snowballed over the last year like the last few years, like all their friends, seeing how much fun they're having. So they've come on board as well and it's just kept escalating like that. Um, but yeah, like even yesterday, the, uh, my owner that won, he goes, unfortunately, they able to be there, but you didn't own that listening to the, the roar that he got as he was fighting out the fish and turning to scale. Um, it's 
again, my owners just get behind every horse in the stable. And, like, even the cheer they gave the guru a clock on returning to scale, like, around the second this up and listening to them cheering on if they came back in because of the clock. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Best horse in your stable at the moment? Oh, look, I'd have to say Monigal. Um, she's sort of got a big soft spot for us. It's a 3,000 horse. She's under 500,000 now. She's just such an honest and consistent there. She's won eight races. Well, coincidentally, she won her first three races at Sapphire Coast. It was my first big at Hubble. Uh, she's won multiple metropolitan races uh, in town. Uh, like it's been two weeks ago, I rode school was probably one of the best teams we've from here. Um, they went on Fox Day last year. now, sorry. Um, like, yeah, she's just been such an honest and consistent there year after year. And we've just had such a great time with her. Um, and so, like, yeah, she's a big strong there now. So, really, she probably had a good reading run this year. So, it's sad to um, see her not in the stables every day been such an integral part of the stable part of the furniture for so long. So yeah, definitely got a huge soft spot for her. Hoping there's ones coming through that are that are better than us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely got a huge soft spot for her. And what about um, the future? If we're having a look into the future, if we're asking Teresa Bain up what's you know happening in five years, ten years, I mean what what are you wanting to achieve? Oh look, I think it's all about um, keep building on the quality of the horses that you've got in the stable. Uh, like even this season, we've had our um, metropolitan so far this season, which is by far our, our best season in town so far. And I think that's reflective of um, the order of going to the end sales every year and just trying to sort of on a limited budget um, just include all the horses in the stable. Uh, so that's, that's, that'll be my week this week. He's heading off for work um, all week. Uh, looking forward to going through the sales next weekend. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just about keeping the quality of Um Like, I still love country racing. Like, we call like the Sapphire Coast and that. And country racing is essentially the street. So I always have to support country racing. But at the same time, to be able to have more, more horses that are competitive and winning in town... Um, and like the prize money is just so fantastic to get, um, since you own some really good returns. So I think it's, yeah, just about, uh, consolidating and building quality. Not so much, um, increasing numbers for grade three, like we sort of hover around anywhere between 30 and 40 and work at any one time. And that sort of works out nicely with, with, with what's saving wise and, and staff wise. Like there's a few things coming in the future around general range, uh, racing yeah. stuff that's been buying up properties and there's going to be improvements made to the track um, and facilities there and the stabling. So um, like that's definitely an option as, as that starts to come to fruition of, of possibly expanding to bit. Uh, but I think for them, um, just keep doing what we're doing, improve the quality of horses, um, keep places on races. It's been brilliant to talk to you this, to this, uh, this morning, Teresa. Um, it's uh, so exciting to see what your stable has done over the last four to five years, and uh, I, I can't wait to see those black, red, and white colours continue. Just quickly, where did those colours come from? So my favourite horse growing up was superimposed. Um, so as I was going through school, I already had superimposed lodge designed. I already had 
multiple sets of colours designed. Um, so, yeah, so he raced in red, black and white colours. So I was always going to have those Brilliant. as my colours. It was just the design, the actual design of it and um, settled on the Maltese cross. How is that then, just on a little side note, I mean, so superimposed is your favourite horse growing up. How is it then that you can walk into a trainer's room and, and there's the Freedmans and, and there's your name and that form guy beside these, you know, these dynasties? Oh, it is. It, it, it's a little bit surreal. Like, even on the weekend, uh, Darren Beatman saddled up and we were looking at Roseville and down at the high coast and, like, and growing up, Darren Beatman was my favourite jockey. Um, so you think back now and if you said to yourself... Um, yeah, as a teenager, that yeah, you'd be standing alongside these people at the races, and you get to talk to them um, and work alongside them. You it. and that's what I love about the racing industry. Um, like, there's so many great people. Hundred percent. To um, to thank my partner Michael and all my yeah. staff. Like they do an absolutely fantastic job, and yeah, like I yeah couldn't do it without them. Uh, very, very well said. And thank you so much for coming on. It was brilliant to see yourself there yesterday with all your ownership group and a lot of owners too from all different parts of New South Wales. I know there are a couple there from the, the Central Coast that uh, really enjoy listening to Racing HQ and Sky Sports Radio and uh, they're in a number of your horses and may it continue and I look forward to seeing you at a track again soon. Thanks for coming on this morning, Teresa. Thank you very much. Teresa Bader there as our Monday's